Long History's Random UK Prime Minister of the Week Number 32 Archibald Primrose A Strange Case Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. Our random number generator has led us back into the Victorian era once again, but this is right at the end of the Victorian era in the middle of the 1890s, when there was a curious Prime Minister who lasted only a year and was repeating a trend that was from a century earlier really, when a heavyweight Prime Minister, William Gladstone in this case, left the office leaving a gap at the top. In this case, Archibald Primrose filled that gap, but... Well, we'll look at him in more detail in this episode. Here at Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, we like to pick a Prime Minister literally at random, and then we ask a few questions, such as what were they like, how did they get into office, and what were their main achievements. We're not quite halfway through the list of Prime Ministers, but we've already done over 20 profiles of PMs, so there's plenty to explore either on your podcast provider or on longhistory.net, our website, where all the episodes are neatly tied together. And don't forget to subscribe or follow Long History to be informed when further episodes are released. We've got some good ones coming soon. But actually, this is also a good one. So here we go with random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 32, Archibald Primrose. A strange case. He was Prime Minister for just over a year, from 1894 to 1895. We've covered a number of Prime Ministers who had potential, but somehow didn't reach that potential due to outside circumstances. I don't think, however, we've come across a Prime Minister who seemed to have potential, but then when they got the job just proved to be not very good at it. And what's particularly surprising with Archibald Primrose, and the reason we titled this a strange case, is that in the midst of this Victorian era, such a clear candidate for the worst Prime Minister ever should suddenly emerge. Particularly amidst the monumental Victorian Prime Ministers we've looked at so far here on Long History, such as Henry John Temple, known as Viscount Palmerston, and William Gladstone. And when researching for this particular profile, when we saw that this man was only in the top job for just over a year, we did assume that Archibald Primrose, the Earl of Rosebery, was just going to be another of those many aristocratic non-entities who ended up being given the job, just because they were so well-connected, really. This happened a lot in the 18th century. However, a particular curio here is that this was the end of the 19th century, more than a century on from when that particular trend was at its peak, so perhaps there was something different happening here. We'll try to analyse that during this episode. Archibald Primrose, the 32nd Prime Minister, got the top job because the Liberal Party chose him to be their new leader when William Gladstone, that Victorian titan, finally decided to resign after his fourth stint as Prime Minister. He was in his 80s at the time. That passionate, preachy, religious workaholic was a hard act to follow, but Archibald Primrose was a clear establishment choice to replace him. And his rise to the top is in many ways not at all surprising. He was an aristocrat, so perhaps you can already guess his background and his education on that conveyor belt towards the top. However, he flopped badly when in the post, to the point where one historian we looked at found only a certain type of refined humour in his poor performance as Prime Minister. And it's even more interesting than that, really, 
because Primrose is a difficult character to grasp, a curiously fin de siècle character. Now in the UK that term fin de siècle, which directly means end of the century, is often linked to artistic endeavours, and particularly to such books as The Strange Case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson, and Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, with both of these books containing unknowable characters with hidden sides. If that sounds rather elaborate and euphemistic, we'll explain more in this episode. What was Archibald Primrose like? Many of the best Prime Ministers are the doers, the ones who get things done. They particularly seem to emerge during times of war, when, perhaps, frustrating debate can be cast aside by someone firmly in charge who needs to find solutions quickly. Some Prime Ministers are clearly very talented and are primed for the job, but somehow they reach the top at the wrong moment, so their talent isn't allowed to flourish. Archibald Primrose is a different, intriguing case entirely of a man who was very talented. He was wealthy, intelligent and apparently was an excellent speaker. It sounds like he had that type of strong personality that could bring a party to life but could also kill it when he was in a bad mood. He does seem to have been well liked and he got to the job at as good a time as any really but he proved to be pretty hopeless when he got there. When he became Prime Minister, his negative traits came to the fore. He seems to have been something of a spoilt brat, really. He was used to things coming easily to him, which meant he couldn't deal with the conflicting personalities and the constant crises of the top job. Really, the descriptions of him are quite bad. He seems to have been quite narcissistically self-pitying whilst Prime Minister, quick to take offence, and an entitled yet somehow frustratingly shy man at the same time. This meant he was uncommunicative, apparently expecting people to know what he wanted, even though he'd never asked for it. So, as a rich aristocrat, it's kind of no surprise that he might have become used to things falling into his lap, including the premiership actually, and Archibald Primrose shows that an aristocratic background in itself isn't always the best preparation for the premiership, especially actually in a world where the working class, albeit only the male working class, now had a vote. Now before we get too critical, he does seem to have worked well in the jobs that he had before he was Prime Minister, it was just that he hated the job when he got to the top. Now when we've looked at other Prime Ministers, there have here and there been hints of homosexuality, but barely worth mentioning in such brief profiles. We look at a few biographies here on Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, and in those biographies, you can also see a history of attitudes towards being gay. Now, Primrose might or, or might not have been gay. And although through modern eyes it perhaps might not be seen as a significant issue, if you look at what happened to Oscar Wilde during Primrose's time in office, it's clear that being gay was quite a big issue at that time. And so, if Primrose was gay, there are good reasons why he would have hidden it as best he could. The rumours were stubborn and aspects of his personality can be explained when we consider that he was part of an age where being gay was a crime. And putting those rumours together with some of the puzzles of his life does make a compelling, if not definitive, case. Primrose was the penultimate Victorian Prime Minister, and the last one whose whole premiership took place during Victoria's reign. If he was a genius at anything, it was in climbing his way to the top. Perhaps we'll find more Prime Ministers who were experts at getting to the top, but hopeless when they got there. 
I can think of one. What was the historical background? We've already used the term fin de siècle. It's actually a, quite a difficult term to define, and it's perhaps similar to the generational terms of today, boomers, generation X, millennials, etc. In a UK context, fin de siècle defines a moment perhaps when Victorianism became slightly overripe. The British Empire was slightly past its prime, other empires were rising. The British Empire was not the only player in town anymore, other Europeans were grabbing at their slice of the international pie. Some empires were growing, but the Spanish Empire was in the terminal moments of its decline, with the Spanish War of the 1890s leading to Spain losing Cuba, the Philippines and Puerto Rico. The Japanese Empire was also expanding into today's Taiwan, which it will begin to run for its 50-year stint when Archibald Primrose was Premier. With hindsight, of course, everything was heading inexorably to not one but two world wars. And in the midst of this, just when we needed leaders with common sense, we got an aristocrat without much of a clue. The United Kingdom at the time. The trial of Oscar Wilde was in the news at this time for having homosexual relationships. He was eventually sent to prison for two years. The population of the UK in 1891 was 33 million, which included the whole of Ireland. And occasionally we like to focus on a specific town. And in this case, Carlisle, the border town in the very northwest of England near the Scottish border, in 1891 had 72,000 people. Carlisle was connected to the railways in 1838, and its population more than doubled in the 80 years leading up to 1891. Perhaps it's telling that in the following century after that, Carlisle would only increase its population by another 30,000. The United States at the time. Across the Atlantic, Grover Cleveland was the president during the whole of Primrose's time in office. He's apparently the only president to serve two tenures with a gap in between. Utah would join the Union one year after Primrose was prime minister, and there was a significant depression apparently in the 1890s in the US, marking the beginning of the end of what has become known as the Gilded Age, when the United States had a period of enormous growth after the American Civil War, something which went hand in hand with huge wealth disparity across the country. Who could vote in the UK at the time? The vote was given to working class men for the first time in 1867, but they had to fulfil certain criteria, which seems to mean that urban heads of households had the vote. This in turn was extended to rural households in 1884, and so to vote, you either had to own land of more than £10, or had to pay £10 in rent each year. So those limitations meant that even then only just over two-thirds of men could vote, and of course no women at all could vote at that point. There wouldn't be further movement on that issue until 1918. What was Archibald Primrose's background? Well, the dates of his birth and death were the 7th of May 1847 to the 21st of May 1929. He was born in Mayfair in London, one of the classiest places in the whole country. We've already alluded to the fact that he had the least surprising education possible. Many prime ministers have had this educational combination, and the most establishment prime ministers went to Eton and Oxford. But there's a further striking detail here. There were three prime ministers in the late Victorian era. Primrose himself, 
and Gladstone, who we've already mentioned, and then there was the Marquess of Salisbury, Robert Gascoigne Cecil. Not only did all three of these Prime Ministers go to Eton, but all three of these Prime Ministers also went to Oxford. But it's even more specific than that. Oxford is separated up into separate colleges, and all three of these Prime Ministers went to the same college. Primer has actually left his studies at Oxford early, because of an issue arising from his purchase of a racehorse. Apparently students at Oxford at that time were not allowed to own racehorses, but rather than give it up, he gave up his education instead. The same year as he gave up his education, he inherited his title, the Earl of Rosebury. And when he inherited that title from his grandfather, he became the owner of lots of land in Scotland and southern England. He was 21 at that time. He also married into wealth. In 1878 he got married to Hannah de Rothschild, and the Prince of Wales attended his wedding blessing ceremony. Primrose had two sons and daughters, but his wife died in 1901, and he didn't remarry. Primrose was never a member of the House of Commons because of his inherited title. But before he became Prime Minister, he worked as Foreign Secretary twice, and he seemed to embrace a new form of politics that was coming over from the United States. This was a more active, more campaigning type of politics, getting out there and doing speeches, and he himself was apparently an excellent speaker and drew crowds. He seems to have been well-liked and viewed as an effective operator before he became Prime Minister. He seems to have been good at mediating. One of those people who could talk to people with completely opposing points of view and come out of it with everyone thinking he'd agreed with them. It's quite a skill. How did Archibald Primrose become Prime Minister? Gladstone dominated the Liberal Party at this time, which had more or less been defined by this man. And when Gladstone decided to move on, there were only two people, really, with the possibility of replacing him. One was Archibald Primrose himself, and the other was Sir William Harcourt. Primrose was slightly on the right of the party, with Harcourt on the left. And although Harcourt was politically perhaps more at the heart of the Liberal Party, he wasn't as popular as Primrose. So Primrose ended up getting the role, but also created a rift with this other man in the process, one of the most powerful men in the party. What were Archibald Primrose's biggest achievements as Prime Minister? Well, Archibald Primrose was a man unsuited to the job, and what's more, he was actively bad, so we can't really find many achievements as such. We can't say that he was lazy, for example, or even inoffensively ineffectual, but he actively dropped clangers, and the ideas he put forward just fell on deaf ears. He wasn't popular in the job. And more than one commentator has pointed out that although Primrose eagerly had the ambition to become Prime Minister, he soon found out he didn't like it. He and that rival, Harcourt, did not make up when the party tried to move on from choosing its new leader. Harcourt and his son actively plotted against Primrose, taking great glee apparently in making him miserable. There is no love in war and politics. He was also unpopular with the ageing Queen Victoria. And to add to his unhappiness, during his first speech to the House of Lords as Prime Minister, he referred to England as the predominant party in the United Kingdom when speaking about giving the Irish the ability to run their own affairs. This is the issue known as Home Rule. Now in the UK, calling England the predominant party is an extremely tone-deaf comment, which is only going to offend. Despite their significant population differences, the nations of the United Kingdom are officially seen as equal partners. 
So by saying England is predominant offends not only the Irish but also the Welsh and the Scottish. And this was his very first speech. So the new government as a result lost its first vote and Primrose's confidence was shattered. Attempts to revive his fortunes by giving speeches about the reform of the House of Lords were met with, well, indifference. And due to these missteps, his unhappiness in the role became more and more apparent. He wasn't the only man to suffer from stress and sleepless nights when faced with the reality and the responsibility of leading the government, but his complete lack of confidence when the spotlight shone on him and the apparent lack of support from the people around him was notably resounding. Everyone seemed to agree that he shouldn't continue being Prime Minister. So how did he stop being Prime Minister? In June 1895, there was another of those parliamentary votes, this time about the distribution of explosives in the army. When the government lost again, Primrose took the opportunity to resign. Losing a vote is always seen as a sign of weakness in the Prime Minister, and in the election that followed, the opposition headed by the Marquess of Salisbury, Robert Gascoigne Cecil, won with a large majority. Primrose did stay on in politics and they actually continued to be an excellent public speaker. There was some kind of sense that now he wasn't in the top job anymore, he wanted to attain that top position again. But he'd had his chance and no longer quite commanded that automatic authority that his aristocratic roots gave him. Why should we remember Archibald Primrose? He seems to have been a man who was destined for the top job, yet not really for the best reasons. A century earlier, perhaps it was fine that an aristocrat should be shoved into the top job. He was an aristocratic type who was ambitious, and he seemed talented and capable enough to do the top job. However, when in position, his weaknesses were exposed. Having said all this, he was a more interesting personality than many other of the short-term prime ministers we've covered here on Long History with people trying to fill in the gaps that were left by this rather contradictory man. He was solitary, yet social. He was guarded, yet a great speaker. He was driven towards the premiership, yet not towards the power that it gave him. In a sense, he was like many of those 18th century aristocrats who became prime minister, in that they seemed to take the job because, well, if they weren't prime minister, what else would they do with their time and money? His greatest talent appears to have been wasting his great talent, to the point where many commentators find him an amusing, if somewhat pitiful, poor little rich boy, all grown up. When he left the job as Prime Minister, he was in his late 40s and would live for another three further decades, dying, aged 82, in Surrey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. It was very strange to have another of these 18th century aristocrats in the 19th century, but he certainly seems to have been an interesting character. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, please do like it and share it if you can. And don't forget to subscribe to Long History to be informed of when other episodes of this series are released. As always in creating these episodes, we like to give a little caveat that this is just an introduction and a lot of the history of this man seems to be based on rumours that might have been salacious at that time but now seem a little silly really. Thank you for listening to Random UK Prime Minister of the Week number 32, Archibald Primrose, A Strange Case. Goodbye. <laughs>